Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control your body and get the health care everyone needs has been stolen. And now politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. And that's why they fight every day to push for common sense policies that protect your right to control your own body and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctors. Planned Parenthood needs your support now. Now more than ever. With supporters like you, you can help reclaim your rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAIP-owned brands right now like Cardin, Kaja, Emilia George, and hey, Meve, plus you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. you date me a podcast where me nicole buyer tries to figure out how i'm still single even though i've been redecorating my house and you could jizz all over my wallpaper i would use it as extra glue (laughs) (laughs) my guest today you know him from the daily show space force the opening act the last og better call Saul. uh he's got specials oh boy oh boy it's roy what Junior! Hello, hello, hello. It's a lot of spackle if you're using jizz as we can plaster of Paris. But then I'll never come off the wall. Yes, that would be a very interesting. Your wall would look like those kindergarten ceilings with those weird, that weird, let me stop right there. That's too much of a visual for some people. How are you, friend? I'm good. Happy COVID-19 to you and yours. Yes, happy COVID-19. It is not going anywhere anytime soon. I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss lockdown when when the country opens back up. And we got three, four different vaccines out there to choose from. And people get back out in those streets. I think I might stay inside a little longer. I know for a fact I'll stay inside just a little bit longer because people be wilding. They don't know how to be acting, but I'm excited because I was talking to a friend I might have mentioned on the podcast already, but she was like, after the Spanish flu or the great flu, whatever you want to call it, she was like, the roaring 20s happened. And that was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Harlem Renaissance, not too long after that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then World Wars One and Two. 
We got a lot of action around the corner. <laughs> oh, I don't want to go to war. That, to me, does not seem like optimal fun. But how else will our country stay in business as a corporation? If we aren't going and whooping ass somewhere across the globe, I'm sorry, this is a relationship <laughs> podcast. Let me not get into my political opinions about war. Roy, here is a secret. This podcast is about whatever I want it to be. No one has caught on that <laughs> since the George Floyd protests, I've only had black people or people of color on. Not one person has noticed. <laughs> <laughs> That's an impressive streak. I was like, I'm going to do this for the rest of the year. And not one person has been like, wow, I can't believe that I'm only listening to people of color. That would be a very awkward email. It would be a nice email. I think white people should reach out more, should ask questions. I mean, I'm not going to answer all your questions because I'm not I'm not the one doing your homework. But I think it's like, OK, to be like, I noticed that. Is that OK? Ask your black <laughs> friends questions. The ones that, you know, personally, not me. Yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. Right. I try like. Me, when it comes to explaining race and stuff like that to some of my friends, like I have friends that'll call me up, you know, what can I do? Like I've had the guilty white friend call over the course mm-hmm. of the summer. And I know it comes from a good place. And I just go, hey, man, look, I'm going to send you a couple links and um, start with this book. And after that, you should be able to figure the shit out. <laughs> after that. You know, you ever seen a motherfucker lost in a store? Like if like if it was like a department store <laughs> and a white person. Excuse me, where's the equality? You know what I think it's it's over that way. If you look just go go that way. I just passed it. It's not a lot <laughs> left on the shelf. But if it's if it's anywhere in the store, it's gonna be bad. But what I'm not gonna be is the employee who walks with you. You ever had that yes. shit when you go out to shop? Yes. Like, oh, Follow mm-hmm. me. I'm like, I won't go on no adventure with you, my fuck. I, like now you're yes. in like this forced friendship for sixty <laughs> yards. <laughs> like I don't want to just point, my fuck. Point to, to the way where the TVs mm-hmm. are. I don't want you to. I don't want to come with you. You don't want to be that poem about Jesus with the footsteps. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> like when they volunteer to take me to the department I just asked about, I go, I, I just want to know where it is. I'm going to go over there later. Sometimes I'll follow them because sometimes I feel like Dora the Explorer and we're like on an adventure and we might discover some other things. I feel like they're using you to get out of doing whatever the fuck it is they were supposed oh, to yes. be doing in that moment. And you're some sort of lifeline. I'm not your retail <laughs> lifeline, motherfucker. Go do your, do your task. Just a point. Have you ever worked in retail? No, I've been food my entire life. The only jobs outside of comedy have always been food related. I figured out real quick in high school that if you work in food, you eat good and you eat good off the clock. Mm. It's very easy to steal. It's very (laughs) easy to take food home. So since I was 15, I did yard work like like 13, 14, just raking leaves and cutting grass. And then my first job with like a pay stub and like tax deductions was Mm -hmm. Baskin Robbins. And from then on, all the way through Subway and Shoney's, I worked in a hospital cafeteria. Uh, Golden Corral was my last actual job. I love Golden Corral. Yeah, that was that was a good spot, man. I don't know how this buffet is going to survive this COVID shit. It's not going to survive this COVID. I think we go back to the kitchen cafeteria. I don't know if you know the Piccadilly's, Morrison's. 
type hot plate Mm-mm. cafe. It's like the school lunch room where the person has just it's just just a lunch lady scooping your shit. Mm-hmm. Onto a plate, you know. There's still, there's a lot of restaurants like that down south. You know, me being from Alabama, that's all we had growing up, with a cafeteria style dining where you go through the Piccadilly line, and it's just a person point to your vegetable and they scoop it, mm-hmm. and then they pass your plate to the meat <laughs> motherfucker. Meat motherfucker, what meat you want? Then they your plate gets passed down like a subway sandwich from section to section. And then you get your assembled plate at the end of the line. Yeah. That's not going to be here after 2020. I think that's the only way you can do anything remotely buffet is that there just has to be an assigned server. Cause you can't have randos just breathing up all over on top of everything. Yep. Yep. That's not, that's not it for me. Still, no, I think about the sizzler as a kid and like watching another kid sneeze right up into it. Cause they weren't tall enough for the sneeze guard and being like, <laughs> we all got to eat that. And then we all yeah. ate that. Yeah. And it was good. It was good. God damn it. It was good. You telling me once we're four COVID vaccine, there's three injections and a nasal like inhaler one. Oh. We're going to be four vaccines deep by the spring. <laughs> You're telling me that's not enough to bring back the buffet? Like, if you can prove you've had your COVID <laughs> shot? I mean, I think in Florida, I think in all these states that never did a shutdown, they'll be like, yeah, they probably still haven't shut down buffets. No, not really. I'm sure really. people are still going to buffets. Like, my friend who lives in Florida, he keeps showing me pictures of shit he's doing. I'm like... You're living your best life and you're not afraid and good for you. But Yo, if it's two places so, as know. wide open right now, it's Florida and Atlanta, Georgia. Ooh, Atlanta's going for it. And I'm like, my black friends, please. They, they're they not nice to us at the hospital. You don't want to get sick. They out there. Black folks is out there. Out there like they got full coverage. <laughs> like, I can see if you had insurance and you out mm-hmm. here messing around with this COVID. But y'all out here with no coverage? See, you no. still go to the club? No, 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 no. I was just at the hospital and I took a nice Gucci bag with me. So they'd be like, oh, she got some money. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you're wearing. doesn't matter what your face looks like. If you are black, they treat you a certain kind of way and you cannot get around that. I still don't know why they don't just sell fake insurance cards just so the ambulance will get you there in one piece. And then when yeah. you get to the hospital, you run my paperwork and it's like, gotcha, bitch. But it's too late. I'm already still alive. <laughs> like I would, if I didn't have health insurance, I would one thousand percent have a fake health insurance card. Yeah, because I don't think the ambulance ran anything. I think they just looked at it. Yeah, but you, why you bullshitting? That's probably next. Like an ambulance going to pull up with a damn swipe with one of them card, <laughs> one of them square card readers. A square reader for your insurance. <laughs> <laughs> they go swipe your insurance card before they even put you on the gurney. Like, hold on, we got to make sure this go through before I put my gloves on. It's fucked up. Before they did anything, so I fell down the stairs and I dislocated my ankle and broke my fibula. But uh, before they did anything to me, this nice lady came in full PPE. She washed her hands. She put on gloves. She was like, okay, give me your insurance card. And I was like, are you kidding? I haven't gotten any pain medication. She's like, well, I can go find your nurse after we're done with this. And I was like, this is fucking wild. And I said it to her face. I was like, I can't believe you're trying to get money out of me or like to make sure you can get money out of me before you do something for fuck. Like, America. what the fuck? America. America is fucked up. We're like, I keep saying it, but it's a third world country here. If I didn't have a family, I would have moved this year and I'm not bullshitting you. Where would you have moved to? I'm dead the fuck serious. If I did not have my girl and our child, 
if I was single, if this was 2015 and mm-hmm. COVID hit, I would have got the fuck out of America to whatever country would have taken me. Um, my ancestry.com says Nigeria fuck with me hard. So mm-hmm. maybe go over there and be a fish out of water, figure shit out. I also have a real good time in Vancouver, but I don't know. You know, Canadian paperwork is a little tight. Mm, I like Canada, although... One time I was detained in Canada, thank you, because this was 2010. Nobody told me that when you got to customs, you got to say, oh, I'm visiting a friend or. Oh, no, you said you were working. No, what I said was I'm doing improv. And they said, are you getting paid for it? And I said, nobody gets paid to do improv. And I didn't know that that country treated people nicely. So people do get paid to do improv. So they're like, Mm -hmm. ma'am, follow us. And also my bag was dry rot because I was poor and I was borrowing my friend's bag and it had been under her bed for so long because none of us traveled. So like my clothes were everywhere and I was holding this bag, holding my clothes. And I was like, nobody gets paid to do improv. So then they were like, get in this little room. Have you ever been arrested? And I was like, for real? Yeah. And they were like, we don't let criminals in our country. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Just a little shoplifting. And they're like, well, that's bad, too. Uh, And then they questioned me for like three hours. Canada's like that. I went, um, my girl's people are from Detroit. Mm -hmm. Uh, She has people in Detroit, rather. My stupid ass is on some, I'm going to go surprise you in Detroit and show up (laughs) in flowers. (laughs) Because I'm doing a gig close to Detroit. (laughs) Mr. Exit go through the Windsor Tunnel or whatever the fuck the bridge is that takes you from Detroit across into Canada. Mm-hmm. Bust a U-turn and come right back through, right? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you go through the customs line, and I go, yeah, I just I just came through real fast, which is literally the worst <laughs> thing you could say. <laughs> because you may as well just say, yeah, I just came over here for five minutes to pick up the drugs. I am mm-hmm. now headed back. <laughs> and they took me in a room and it was 10 to 20 questions about drugs and narcotics and unlike you i have been arrested i was stealing mm. blue jeans but this is 98 i was literally a teenager when this happened that shit is still in the computer my nigga really and, oh yeah oh yeah my shit is still in the computer because my I, shit isn't I was arrested for shoplifting three times and it's all gone. My shit, as of last I checked a couple of years ago, that shit is still, there's Damn. still remnants of that. All my dry, all my traffic tickets, everything, everything, anything with the police, it's still somewhere in the computer. And maybe it's not in American computers, but I don't know what server mm-hmm. the Canadians got, but them <laughs> motherfuckers found it. And it was literally 45 minutes of being questioned when all I did was miss an exit on the freeway. I had to literally show them my GPS. This is back in the day when you used to have the, the Garmin mm-hmm. mounted up on the windshield. Mm-hmm. I had to show them that. And like it was like a whole ordeal to prove why I was only in Canada for five minutes. They could not fathom that I was just stupid and just missed <laughs> an exit. I mean, it's nice how closely they guard their country. We we want to build a wall like it's <laughs> yeah it's funny building a wall is so funny to me. I legit was was thinking about Canada. I was just like, this seems like a decent place, and you know what? Maybe I just need to be around some black people for a little while, mm-hmm. figure some things out. You know, if I'm gonna just be cooped up somewhere, I may as well be able to go take a walk through some weird 
you know, place that I've never been before and just discover the world during this downtime. All I need is a decent internet connection to do daily show stuff. Cause you know, they weren't sending us out in the field, still aren't mm-hmm. sending us out in the field for anything, but yeah, I don't know, it, it, but it is what it is. So instead I'm in New York where it's half open, half closed, which is the weirdest thing. Yeah. New York seems crazy. Well, it seemed like in the spring, everything was open. I feel like everybody I know in New York was like, it's springtime in New York. We're eating outside and we're doing fun (laughs) things. I think for as long as kids are in school, they just reopened schools again. Like they had closed them for a second before Thanksgiving. And then after Thanksgiving, I think they'd open them back up for a little while. And once my son went back to preschool, that's when I was like, oh. We good. It's like, nah, <laughs> nah, we not good. You know, so I still have this air of paranoia about me when it comes to what I touch when I'm out mm-hmm. standing to Like, I don't even walk directly behind people. I don't even want to be in your germ cloud. Correct. I walk to the side of people. I don't, people are nasty. They were nasty before the pandemic. They're probably even nastier now. Yo, let me tell you some wild shit Dulce Sloan uh, gave me. She gave all of the correspondents on the show. I'm going to find the name of it before the end of this podcast because I want to give it a plug. She gave me this mask. Like, it looks like a regular cotton N95 mask. Mm-hmm. But there's a tube that goes from it to a respirator-type fan that you could wear on your sleeve like an iPod shuffle, uh-huh. and you just breathe in <laughs> air from around the corner. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just Ooh, you can mount smart. the little fan anywhere on your neck or your back mm-hmm. or whatever and just breathe the air behind you on the side and like she had to fly for the holidays or some shit mm-hmm. or whatever she was doing for that that movie that she's promoting uh chick fight shout out dulce in uh chick fight and and she was or is it girl fight i don't know it was a good no, movie it's chick fight she like brought it to me at first this summer. That's so you can breathe air that's not right in front of you. I go, that's fucking <laughs> stupid, Dulce. <laughs> now I put that shit on. I was like, shit, this thing, okay. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> and then it's got the little Android charger. Nigga, I got a Mophie battery pack attached okay. to my breathing thing. Walking around looking like a cyborg. <laughs> but it's so worth it. I mean, the things so we're all doing. It. It's so fucking <laughs> wild. Have you flown yet during this whole thing? No. No, I have not. I am horrified of flying in it's any bad. capacity. Everyone is very poorly behaved in the airports. People take their masks off for no good reason. They free cough and not cover in their mouths. American Airlines sold every goddamn seat on that plane. We were packed the fuck in. They had to keep announcing to keep your mask on. It was truly... It was intense. I drove 15 and a half hours to Birmingham so my son could get some grandma time. Mm-hmm. We did that earlier this year. And my mom, um, you know, my mom is a college educator, but they've been quarantined as well in Birmingham. Like schools are open in Birmingham, but mm-hmm. this school in particular, they're running like, a, you know, basically a COVID safe scheduling. So if you're not essential to the education of the children, do your, do your job at home. So we're like, okay, that's a safe situation. So we did that, and then um, her brother had a baby. And so we did the whole go meet the baby shit, and that was also a quarantine for a week and a half, and then go meet the baby, then come back. Mm -hmm. But the whole time, nobody had any place to be. New York hadn't opened up. So those are the only two, and that was an 11-hour drive to Detroit. 
and that's like some old school road comic shit. Like that shit took uh-huh. me back to fucking 99 and 2000 level. And I just don't have the stamina for it, but I don't know what's worse. The, the stir craziness of a car for 15 mm-hmm. hours or the hour and a half flight that it would have been to Detroit. I would take, I would take the car just because there was a man in front of me who dropped his phone, like in between the plane and the, the jetway. So it like, like fell wall, on the, yeah. it fell on the tarmac and uh, oh, no. the pilot had to go get it. And he was like, Oh, excuse me. And I was standing six feet away. So like there, I didn't have to like really move. So I took a step back and I bumped into this man and I turned around. And I was like, you shouldn't be this close to me. Why are you this close to me? And he's like, Oh, I guess we're going to be yeah. rude now. And I was like, not rude. I just don't want something from you, dude. Like just back the fuck up. So I take the car, but I do get that. Like being in a car for that long. Ooh, we, Ooh, Ooh. Cause yeah, I used to drive from college to college and it was, a lot have you been disappointed in finding out the friends that you have who don't see this issue the same way as you yeah yeah it's like the people i'm like oh okay so i won't see you for a minute because you're not being respectful i'm not even sure if i can fuck with you on the other side of the four vaccines bro i like what else are you thinking weird about Mm. (laughs) like it like politics I am more understanding of a Trump voter than an anti-masker. I agree with you. Because not all anti-maskers are right wing and tinfoil hat or whatever. There's a lot of people on the left that are not fucking with masks and they don't believe and they believe in herd immunity and blah, blah, blah. At least with politics, for whatever reason you can pull out of the sky, you believe this guy can fix the issues fine fine (laughs) but motherfucker this is science this isn't one thing or another we're not even talking about whether or not we should open up the country and open up the malls just the basic belief that covering your fucking face (laughs) stops germs (laughs) from flying further from your fucking face (laughs) and you say no to that is truly is wild. I have to question everything else about us. I have to. I have to. I had a one of the EMTs. I talked about this. I think uh, probably last week or the week. I don't know. We're stacking episodes. It's hard to keep track. One of the EMTs that picked me up was like very sarcastic. Like, aren't you glad we're all wearing a mask? And I was like, Yeah, dude, I am. And he's like, Why? They don't work. So I was like, Why does a surgeon wear a mask? And he was like, To keep their germs to themselves. And I was like. Yeah, it keeps the COVID to yourself. And then he went, ah, yeah, you got to be okay. And I was like, you're the man saving <laughs> my life? What the fuck is this? Yeah. yeah, and I guarantee you he still doesn't believe in masks, even though you attack it with logic. It's just good, gooder, goodest. And there's a lot of people that just believe in good. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's motherfuckers pre-COVID who don't even cover their mouth when they cough. They just cough out into the into the atmosphere. So... You're going to have people like that. And I just would rather drive further around fewer people. Like, at least at a gas station, you can navigate your way in real quick. If I got to piss on the curb, I will. <laughs> like, there's just, I don't know. It, it's 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 an issue of, I won't say contention mm-hmm. in our home, but it's definitely something that, you know, that me and my girl probably, we're on different sides of the aisle. Mm -hmm. 
in terms. You know, I don't want to speak too much on it because she's not here to defend her point of view. <laughs> but you know, if I'm driving and you're chilling, it's all good. Mm-hmm. I'll wear a mask in the car. I'll be the one to get out, get the gas. So at least only I have COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if nothing else happens, because I just feel like. Also, you know, just on some providing for your child type shit. I really, this sounds, it's going to sound crazy, but I hope this makes sense. Hopefully the parents understand. Mm-hmm. At no point in time can the mother, the father, and the child all be in the same amount of peril. Mm-hmm. That's my, it's the, it's the designated survivor ideology of the White House where Anytime the president is in chambers or whatever the fuck, I don't know what the room is called. I probably should. I work at the Daily Show. But anytime <laughs> all them elected motherfuckers is in the same room doing their shit, there's one motherfucker that's just not there. And you are designated to run the country in case a bomb went off and killed everybody that's in the room. Mm-hmm. So where my child is concerned, you know, me and my girl, we are respective co-presidents of this administration. So we can't both be on the plane. We can't both be on the plane. I don't think that's crazy. I fully get that. I get that. Uh, I get that fully. One of us got it. <laughs> <laughs> and I could be wrong. This could sound as crazy as just wearing a mask to a lot of people. Well, you can still get it driving. I'm sure there's still ways. I think it's people just a don't of- think about the amount of exposure versus like risk factors. Like I think people are like, well, if you go outside, you could get it. I'm like, yeah, if I go outside and tongue kiss somebody, I'll probably get it. But if I go outside, I'm wearing a mask and I stay six feet away from somebody. The likelihood of me getting it is very fucking low. Well, but they're doing studies now and there's trying to show where, you know, you could just walk through a motherfucker's Corona cloud at the grocery store. So the grocery store is just as simple as going to a gas station, which is essentially just as simple as riding an airplane. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and the thing that's crazy is that as much reading as I've done, and I've done a lot of reading, I've done airplane versus train versus bus. What is the ventilation system on a Amtrak Excella versus a sleeper car. What's the exposure probability if Enterprise brings me the vehicle instead of I going to pick it up? Like it's, mm-hmm. I've looked, and it's all inconclusive. It's all every day that you leave the house, you're taking a penitentiary chance. It just is what it is. And Damn. you just have to figure out good, good, or goodest. Mm. And <sighs> everybody's got a different scale of it. Well, Roy, you really brought me down. Uh, I was thinking that I was doing some safe stuff. Yo, you want to know some crazy shit? It's yes. just you just do as best you can. I'm not I'm not being a fatalist and saying you're screwed. <laughs> I look I did the ultimate. I thought I had it all figured out. I go, "You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to charter a bus to Birmingham." Mm-hmm. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to charter a bus because that's the simplest way. It's just us and the driver. Mm-hmm. Driver takes a Takes a test three days out. Takes another rapid test the morning of. Because you can purchase rapid tests now Mm -hmm. commercially. And we'll sit all the way in the back. There's a bathroom on the bus. We're the only ones using it. So you can take a shit if you want. (laughs) You can bring all the food. And you just bring a second driver to relieve the first one. Because 15 hours is a long time. I don't know you. Mm -hmm. So you two fuckers split an eight hour shift. These motherfuckers said it's $7,000. 
Whoa. I was like, bro. And here's what I'm rating it against. Round trip, it's about $500 per person for us to fly somewhere. Uh-huh. It's about $250, $300 ahead each way. So I go, okay, $1,500 the number. $1,500 is what it costs to fly. It's maybe double that to take a charter. And you know how I'll offset the other 15? I'll call three other friends that are also from the South and go, you motherfuckers sit up front closer to the Corona and we'll sit all the way in the back. And everybody's got a 10 seat bubble, mm-hmm. right? I was like, it would be cheaper to just buy up a section of coach class yeah. than to take a charter bus. That's wild. It would legit, be, it, you would like, if I had the money, I would pull a Charlie Sheen. It's an old clip. You can dig it up on YouTube. But Charlie Sheen wanted to catch a home run baseball so bad that he bought up all of the seats in left field at Anaheim Stadium mm. one night. <laughs> and it's just him by himself patiently waiting for someone to hit a home run. And no one hit one. It was fucking amazing. So he just wasted that money? He It's Charlie Sheen, though. He had that CBS two and a half Man. million a million an episode, Brad. To have money like that, I just watched this movie, Indecent Exposure. No, wait, what's it called? Indecent Proposal. Have you seen that movie? Um, is that it's not Robert Duvall? Robert no, it's Redford? Robert Redford proposes this deal to Woody Harrelson, Woody right? Harrelson and uh, Demi Moore. He says a million dollars for a night with your wife, and like rich people could just yeah. do shit like that. And then she they accept it, but then Woody gets. Regret. So and- Woody gets wild. They're like on a helicopter away, going away for their like special night together. And he like runs to their hotel room. There's a maid in there and he's like, Where are they? And she's like, No, habla es uh, inglés, but up, up, they're up. Which I'm like, This is racist, but whatever. Uh, so I was like, How does she only know where they are in English? So he runs up to the helicopter pad and he's like, D, D, no. But then she's like, off to fuck and then she does it and then he can't handle it and I don't want to spoil the rest of the movie but goddamn, is it sexy fucking spoil it that movie came out 20 years ago <laughs> lay it on me it's older than that even well it came out in 93 I believe but uh yeah so okay so if you don't want to hear the rest skip it skip it a little bit skip forward yeah, 30, skip, 30 skip seconds two minutes of the podcast so they fuck she comes back he's like you still love him and she's like no we did this for the money and then uh they end up breaking up because they he can't handle it and then <laughs> she ends up with robert redford and she is the happiest <laughs> This woman is the entire movie. She is so happy with this billionaire. So then they're at this like zoo auction or whatever. And then uh, fucking Woody Harrelson shows up and uh, he bids on something for a million dollars to be like, I don't even want this money. So he Robert Redford's like, talk to your ex-husband, whatever, squash, whatever. And then they're talking. He realizes there's still like love between them. And he's like, wow, Demi Moore is never going to look at me the way she looks at Woody Harrelson. I'm going to break up with her. So then he lies to her in the car. She realizes that he's lying to her. She realizes that he like actually loves her, but she loves her poor ass husband like a little bit more. So then she goes back to him and I was like, bitch, you could have had it all. Stay with him for at least five years. Get some money from that prenup and then go back to your poor husband. What a fucking terrible fucking ending. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Woody Harrelson killed him. See, that would have been good. That, that, that would have been, more on on point for me even though i still don't think you should be killing people over relationship drama but in a movie come on now give it to me give me the drama 
I that one that's one of those movies where people go, it's a classic, and you hear about it, go, eh, I'm glad I missed that one. I'm okay with that. I one. mean, the movie is very good up until the last five minutes. Like it's very the way they decide to go through with it is great. Then they have a lawyer who closes the deal and the lawyer is Oliver Platt and he's talking to Robert Redford and he's like, in the clause, if you can't get it up, you still pay. If you die in the act, you still pay. <laughs> and I'm like, those are funny clauses. <laughs> I, I do though enjoy, I think that in a lot of cinema, we forget how much greed I I love the exploration of how greed influences character choices and how it changes people and how money can alter who people become. I think that's a very realistic thing in the real world. So any movie where money is one of the focal points, it's, it's more than likely something I'm going to watch because there's just, it's interesting to see how it changed. Like, like one of my personal favorites is a simple plan with uh, Bill Paxton. Um, I don't want to say Helen Hunt because that was them in Twister. And I don't want y'all thinking that all white people be in the same movies. Eh, eh. <laughs> I know Billy Bob Thornton was in there. It was a great cast, but a group of buddies find a plane with a bunch of money inside the plane. A plane. They're, they're hunters. And there's a plane crash in the wood, a bunch of dead bodies in a private jet. They look in the jet. There's money. They keep the money. And the bulk of the movie is deciding what to do with the money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what do we do? And each person making their own individual choices on what to do with their share and how that choice influences the other people. And then other motherfuckers start finding out about the money and how mm. that all goes. And that movie was, to me, one of the best portrayals of just greed and coming up, you know, you know, you, you go through all of this. It's kind of like set it off. Set it off is probably another good example of greed. It's one of my favorite fucking movies. Yeah. It's a great example of greed because they had enough to live and they could have gotten away with it. But you know, Queen Latifah, she needed more money. She wanted a little bit more money. And then I love her girlfriend in the movie. She doesn't say much, but she speaks volumes. Yeah, I you know what I appreciated about that about that portrayal of lesbian love is that they didn't lean into it. They didn't just so how long have you been doing the lesbian? That's what I mean. At a time where this wasn't just a commonplace ass thing to mm-hmm. see, but they treated it like it was normal. I think that's part of how you create a situation of normalcy around stuff that people love to make a stink about. That's none mm-hmm. of your fucking business. That's anyway. why I liked it so much. Cause she was just, a, she reminded me of like people in my family who, you know, are gay or whatever. And you know, their partner might be quiet and they don't say very much, but they're there. And you're like, yeah, whatever you're there. You, we respect you. That's what I mean by like, she didn't say much, but it spoke volumes. Like I fucking, I love that movie. Yeah, we're like that in our family, but it's with cops. I'm, oh. I'm trying to think. I can't think of any, or at least not any, out members of the LGBTQIA plus community in our family. But we definitely got some cops. And mm-hmm. we definitely had family get-togethers in the last four or five years. But it's never, well, how could you do the job? <laughs> and, do you understand what that means? Of course, everybody's got their opinions about the occupation and what it stands for. But in the presence of family and stuff like that, it's just a different energy where it doesn't suck the air out of the room. And I respect movies where they don't allow things that 
everyone may not have seen, but do need to know. Yeah, this is happening out here in the world. But anyway, this money, how are we going to get it? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a question. We kind of like danced around politics, but how did you get into politics? Was it before or after you got The Daily Show? I wouldn't say I'm into politics. I would say that I'm into issues that affect the black condition. Okay. I would say that's my biggest, that's my biggest give a fuck. Uh, My comedy started changing. I got The Daily Show in 2015. I'd say somewhere around 2012. So I was doing morning radio in Birmingham. I did mornings for well over a decade. We got fired in 2012. And so I went back to L.A. and I was doing a sitcom on TBS and I was doing some stuff with ESPN and I was getting to a point where I was starting to age out of college gigs. Mm-hmm. You know, mid 30s, you you just you, you look a little old. You just look like you look like a substitute teacher trying to relate <laughs> to 18 year olds. <laughs> And I've always enjoyed college shows and performing for college students, but I was getting further and further away from what they were experiencing and what I was starting to experience. So I was having to kind of fabricate a set that was just for them. And I didn't really like that. And, you know, that was probably the first turn in my material away from like kind of lighter superhero jokes and food jokes and Stuff that was, this is fine. This is perfectly fine material on a Friday night for 45 minutes in Toledo for whoever the fuck shows up to trying to figure out ways to take stuff that people were already arguing about and finding their third side to the argument. And so Mm -hmm. that's what kind of Twitter came in. I started fucking with Twitter hard in 2010 and you can start seeing arguments. You see most arguments on Twitter are A and B. The tweet that excels presents the C side to the argument or the C joke that doesn't address either side, but presents another opinion that you didn't necessarily consider. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of what I tried to do with my radio show before it ended. So the creative shift had already happened for me in other capacities. And so then when I got back out on the radio ends, the sitcom gets canceled now I'm back on the road on a regular basis. And now I really do want to talk about some shit that has a little bit of teeth behind it. And around the same time, Trevor takes over the daily show and Neil Brennan. Uh, I got to give Neil Brennan a shout out on this. Cause he's the one who recommended me mm-hmm. uh, to Trevor and the producers. And I have a sit down with Trevor, you know, I do the audition or whatever. And I was just like, and he was very, as a comedian, you know, comic to comic, Trevor basically said, look, I'm here to, this is a place for you to do what you already do. Like your stuff already has some teeth to it. So just figure out a way to do that. But within the confines of the rules of the show. And when you look at a lot of issues that affect the black community, a lot of them are policy based issues. So, or there are things that could be changed to some degree by policy. So it becomes like this perfect parallel you know you know i i I was never before i worked at the daily show i was never on some dennis miller lewis black level examination of the republic i like when i got hired this is how scared i was when i got hired i went back and tried to learn all the presidents and vice presidents (laughs) and i was and i was planning 
I was planning to take a political science class. Mm-hmm. That was that was the other thing that I was getting ready to do because I was like, I don't know enough. Can I just say you saying that is how a lot of black people think because we're like, oh my god, I got this job. I got to be the best at this job. I don't think. Yeah. I don't want to like generalize, but I do not think I would hear that come out of a white person's mouth. That I got this job, I got I got in the door, I got a seat at the table, and now I'm going to go take a class, a college fucking course, to make sure I keep my seat at the table. I have to destroy. I have to come in here and destroy. But then what you realize is that there are people in there who don't fake the funk. Like we have, we have a fact checker, um, Chots. And For a hot second, I thought you said a fat checker, and I was like, damn, well, that's weird. I don't understand why you'd have that. <laughs> Pinching you as you walk in the door. Chad's job as a fat checker, he just knows policy. He knows bills that were proposed that didn't pass. He could name the former chief of staff that got fired midterm and like he knows the assistant attorney general in the 1952 special election like he can name all the aircraft carriers that are named after presidents like he is deep into that type of stuff so you have people there that have a wealth of political knowledge you have people that are funny you have people that understand structure and you all come together on some power range of voltron shit Mm -hmm. To create the script every day. And Trevor is a piece of all of those people, even more so because he knows all of the international leaders and all the international history and how that stuff connects to American politics. My job is to walk in and go, hey, I heard this thing that's fucked up happening to black people. (laughs) And this is how we make a joke about it without pissing off black people and waking up white folk. What you think about it? Then Voltron comes together and goes, yes, this is the story. This is what we're trying. This is the story we're trying to tell. And here's a way to make this interesting without it being disrespectful to the people that are being affected Mm -hmm. by it, which is the ultimate tightrope that you have to walk at the Daily Show. Because the thing that we have experienced, or at least that I've observed in the last four years, is that there's a lot more victims. You know, there, there are there are people that are being put under unfair duress because of laws that have been passed and implemented and being neglected by an administration. And then you have waves of people who are finally courageous enough to step forward and speak out in their own right about wrongs that have been happening to them that we as a society may have never been privy to. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people that are now stepping up and going, this is my time. This is my space. Let me tell you about what the fuck I've been going through for not just the last four years, the last five, 10, 20, whatever. So when you look at all of the possible stories to choose from, there's so many more faces to these stories where it just used to be policy, 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 policy. Did you believe a politician, the policy and like the BAFTA treaty initiative and the free trade and and now it's like no they're building a wall they're putting people in cages they're separating children from families what's up Mm -hmm. and that's a totally different style issue to try and bring to light while at the same time honoring the comedic aspects of what the daily show is supposed to be so that's where I think we all work in unison 
you know, stand up, I get a little bit more leeway to kind of be a little more fun and silly. But I also like I enjoy I have more fun talking about just issues than myself. Like it's fun to just get on stage and how can we explore taking a knee for the anthem? You should stand for the anthem. You should kneel for the anthem. What if we just agree that that maybe that's not the right song? Maybe there's a better song. Maybe if there was a better song, everybody would stand. <laughs> and so that becomes the joke is, well, who's the artist that white people and black people love? Oh, it's Bruno Mars. Oh, I love Bruno Mars. He looks like every race. If you mm-hmm. guessed any race that Bruno Mars is, that is, he's literally the melting pot. He represents what America is supposed. So for me, comedically, that's a joke that doesn't sit on either side of the issue. It's just an alternate point of view. And so I have fun doing that on stage because it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's, Oh, what's he going to say? Is he going to piss me off? Mm-hmm. Is he going to cancel it? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I like that kind of comedy. It excites me. I like towing the line. I've got like a Black Lives Matter joke right now that works beautifully when there's black people in the crowd. And then when there's no black people in the crowd, I have to tell the white people <laughs> to, you know, package up their white guilt, send it through the post office, keep them, you know, running and send it away. <laughs> and I'll say it again and you'll laugh. But it's just so fun. Like, I really I love how dangerous it is to, like, get to a point where you're like, oh, no, oh, no, she might offend me. Oh, wait, no, it's a real solid good joke built on a premise that could have been very offensive and fucked up if she went exactly. in a different way. Shut your mouth and trust me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, the important part with that is how you sequence your set because you have to earn the trust of the audience yeah. mm-hmm. to get to that place. And, you know, a lot of people are triggered by certain things and a lot of people just don't want to hear certain. They believe there are no jokes whatsoever in this particular quadrant of topic. And that's fine. The, I don't think that's fine. I think you can joke about anything. Oh, I agree. But. I'm not going to placate to that fear. I'm just saying that's what's going to activate your reservations in recoiling the moment I say mass shooting. Just saying that. You don't know which way I'm going, but just saying those two words. Mm-hmm. What's he going to do? What's he going to talk about with this? <laughs> it's like the Chappelle bit about how was it was in this SNL monologue about how COVID cut mass shootings. Mm-hmm. Because there aren't a bunch of people out in the streets. That's a funny observation. That's fair game. You know, you're not making fun. And that's what I mean by you're not making fun of the victims of mass mm-hmm. shootings. No, it's just an observation. That particular joke. Correct. And there's comedians that go there and will like legit make things. Hey, oh my God. Twitter's a minefield. Oh yeah. When it comes to, to that type of stuff. But for me, I enjoy. It's the roller coaster of the topic. And the edge of it are we gonna go over the edge and then Mm -hmm. to be able to yo-yo you back to me is more fun than you know letting you fall off the cliff Mm -hmm. i agree real quick we have to take a break (music) 
Newly is a subscription clothing rental service that's all about helping you have fun and get creative with your style. Shift gears in your wardrobe without a complete and expensive overhaul. Dressy stuff, trendy going out clothes, casual tops and premium jeans, sweaters, outerwear, vacation fits, you name it. For just $98 a month, you get a choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands with inclusive sizing. Fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning in newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. Plus, the option to buy what you love. I like Newly a lot because... Sometimes I don't want to like own a sparkly thing because I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to wear it more than once. Also, I have a ton of sparkly things and Newly is very good at like having a sparkly thing that I'll wear once and then I can send it right back. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now you get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DATEME20. Just go to Newly.com, N-U-U. L-Y.com that's newly with two U's and enter the code DATEME20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com newly with two U's with code DATEME20 newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Spring is the best time to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, tap into your power, and build towards whatever you're looking for. Okay, Peloton can accommodate your schedule with a variety of class lengths to choose from. Even if you only have five minutes, there's a class to get your body moving, and I have to stress how important that is. Five minutes is better than no minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and mood. Move at your own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take the guesswork out of working out. So you can just jump right in, keeping your fitness journey fresh every day because that's what it is, a journey. And listen, Peloton has everything you need to get to where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, uh, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton is something for you. Ooh, the Peloton classes I like to do are strength training. I also like the yoga because um, I'm always trying to get more flexible um, because I love doing splits because I'm slutty. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at (laughs) OnePeloton.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, there's always something that I really need to talk about. And thank God I have a podcast. But then there's stuff that I don't want to reveal publicly. So I talk to a therapist. And listen, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get stuff off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. And I got to say, that's very important because the first person you meet might not be good for you. So even though it's work, you got to work to find someone who like is helpful and is good for you. So don't stick with someone just because you feel like you have to. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DateMe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DateMe. Okay. Hey! 
Did you know one in five Americans have learn a new language on their bucket list? If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste time on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned out in the real world. Babbel made it super easy for me to brush up on my Spanish before my vacation to Mexico. See how I said that? It's, it's better, and it sounds like I speak Spanish. It just makes traveling better so you can like order food, ask for directions, and flirt with the locals. Me encanta, muchacho! <laughs> Without having to consult language apps while on vacation. Here's a special limited time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash date me. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash date me. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash date me. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we're back. Uh, it is a relationship podcast, and I guess I should ask about relationships. But first, I want to know about working on a radio station. Okay, so when I was little, I used to pretend. I feel like every kid used to pretend to work on a radio station. Yeah, because you listen to the radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, how was it fun to work at the, like at a radio station? What was it like? I enjoyed it. It's hard work. You're paid little, but. Now that I'm older, what I really appreciate was the community aspect of the radio station. And we were the heritage station in Birmingham. So we were the main black station, Mm -hmm. at least for the younger audiences. And we were always out in the community. Every single week, we were somewhere in Birmingham, either a giveaway or a concert or just at a cell phone store giving out phone cases and just to be able to press the flesh and meet people in the community birmingham is a very socially small city that sense of community i think is still there today and i met a lot of dope people in them streets that i'm still able to network with you know even now you know radio is cool if you're into like it just depends on what you like to do. I just enjoy entertaining and informing people. You know, Tom Joyner was one of my idols in that regard. You know, he talks about party with a purpose. That was always his thing with radio. And so I enjoy, you know, because I was in a weird position because I took over for Ricky Smiley when he left to form his syndicated show that exists today. And Ricky is Birmingham royalty, mm-hmm. um, especially in radio. Comedy for sure, but especially in Birmingham radio. So, you know, Birmingham is a community that supports their own if you're funny. So (laughs) as a comedian on radio, that first year was rough because a lot of people would call the station and go, that wasn't funny. (laughs) That shit, Roy Wood. (laughs) Man, somebody tell Roy Wood to quit, man. That man need to kill himself, man. He ain't no Ricky Smiler. (laughs) Black people will just tell you shit. To your face in the streets, Uh too. Keep in mind, these are the same people. I got to go out to the fucking... To the Arby's to give away roast beef coupons. And you Roy Wood, man, you need to tighten up, bro. Let me get two coupons though. That's funny, but it's all love, you know. But you know, by the same token, 
you know, I've tried to pour back into the city of Birmingham with various projects and try to support local charities and people and, you know, and show my face. But more importantly, try to make sure that money and opportunity gets poured back into the city because, you Mm -hmm. know, the city's worth it. And I think that's what I discovered the most about radio, was just how close knit of a community the city of Birmingham is, but also just black people as a whole. But the actual job, just up late playing music, doing prank phone calls. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, the only thing I didn't do, I didn't go to any of the concerts what? that we sponsored. Why? Not a one. Because it was always a weekend. On the weekends, I did stand-up. So uh. I would just leave. So I missed I missed an entire the entire crunk era mm-hmm. of rap. Because I started at Jams in 2001. I missed Outkast. Outkast toured their last, the last album they toured was Stankonia. Before Speakerbox Love Below. Stankonia was the last album they did tours for. And if I'm not mistaken, I don't even think Andre 3000 went out on every, um, on every stop. And they came through Birmingham and I had a gig and I just fucking left. And like, that's one of my biggest regrets Dang. in music is have, I, having the opportunity to see so many artists live. And I passed on it, knowing, especially knowing what I know now in terms of the art of live performance. There's so much to learn from rappers about mm-hmm. crowd control. Yeah. There's so much you can learn. You can learn as much from them as you can any other performer that you watch on stage. Rappers and Vegas shows. Yeah, because they deal with uh, some unruly people in Vegas. Yes. That shit is legit fascinating in how they can... The same way as the stand-up, you're picking particular jokes. The rappers are kind of like, they'll have their set list, but if the energy is kind of down, you can see them, nah, nah, play the, we're going to do the other thing mm-hmm. first. And they'll tell the DJ, and it just sounds like some ignorant drunk talk, but they are legit in the middle in real time in front of you, altering what they had prepared mm-hmm. for the sake of crowd control and energy and I just, I missed all of that. I missed all of that. You know, there's a lot of famous people that came to the station and, you know, you see interviews and stuff. Some people were rude. I'll tell you one off the air that to this fucking day, and I promise you, I will have my fucking desserts with this person. (laughs) I promise you sooner or later, she's going to walk into a fucking audition and I'm going to smile. I'm going to smile. You're going to walk in to audition for one of my fucking shows and I'm just going to fucking smile. I'm going to smile. And and I'm going to hire you. I'm going to mm. hire you. And mm. then I'm going to fucking work you to the bone. <laughs> I'm going to work you to the goddamn bone. Because they're talented. I got to give them that. They are talented. But there's some very nasty motherfuckers, man. And that's probably the other lesson I learned about radio. It's just how rude a lot of people can be. You know, there's people that have since been, um, I'll tell you something interesting about, about me too, was as, like going back to that point of victims coming out and realizing they're not victims, they're survivors, right? And they come out and they speak on whatever was happening to them in that time. Some of the names that have been named over the years have all walked through the hallway of 95.7 Jams in Birmingham. And most of them were assholes then, just in a general basis. So when you see that type of shit in the media about them years later, mm-hmm. 
you kind of sit on your couch and you just go, ah, you motherfucker. They finally got your ass. Like that, that was probably the second best lesson. It was just the veneer of celebrity and ego and how thin it is. And radio was probably a primer in how not to treat people. If ever I became big, you know, I don't think I'm at that point yet. Soon, baby. Yeah, but I'll never. I'm trying to think of an example, man. Um, it's a motherfucker caught up in that in that Me Too shit now. Used to come to the station. Came to the station to promote some shit. Wouldn't even make eye contact with us in the studio. <laughs> like. Like that's that's wild to me. It's like for the twenty minutes, thirty minutes, you can look up and you could just you could talk to people. That's all. Can't even make it's just people, people being people. Speaking of people, how did you meet your wife? Oh, we met. So, all right. So my publicist quit on me. (laughs) This was twenty fourteen. Twenty no shit. Should be mad if I say that. Shoot. 2012, 2013. Mm-hmm. Let's just call it 2013. Maybe 2014. Uh, anyway, my publicist quits. And she calls me up. She goes, Roy, I'm taking a job at a college as the head of public affairs and blah, 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 blah. And fuck entertainment. <laughs> I ain't fucking with y'all no more. <laughs> I'll handle your last couple of things, but basically, I get it. Entertainment's fickle. Mm-hmm. You're working for a college, that's that's real bread every day, and that's life insurance and healthcare. Okay, fine. So I need a new publicist. There was a photographer that I'd worked with to take some headshots, and he and I were talking one day, and I just mentioned in passing, I need a motherfucking publicist. My publicist, can you believe my publicist, motherfucker? How the fuck you going to quit? Now, mind you, this is the same time that the TBS sitcom just got canceled. I ain't got shit cracking but a mm-hmm. couple gigs in Toledo. She ain't getting no real <laughs> money from me. <laughs> so it was probably the right time to fire my ass. So so Craig goes, yeah, man, well, uh, I took pictures at this dude's wedding and his sister do PR. I was like, oh, shit. Okay, dope. That's what's up. Well, hook it up. And you know how, like, somebody thinks that they can help you, but they've really given you nothing. Mm-hmm. That, like, like they're trying to help. They're trying to help. But they don't understand the nature of what you need. And so I get on the phone with Craig, and he goes, yeah, man, she does PR. And uh, I think she'd be good. So he, he connects us. I hop on the phone with this woman. I go, yeah, Craig said you do PR. Yeah, I do political PR for a congressperson in D.C. Motherfuck, Craig. (laughs) This isn't, like, I'm on the phone, like, literally three sentences into this conversation. I'm like, this is not who I need. Mm -hmm. She doesn't, you've never done entertainment PR. You have no connects. You don't even know what, you're not even in a fucking TV city. (laughs) In fucking D.C. What the Mm -hmm. fuck and so I go, oh, political PR. What's that about? Oh, that's this, 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 and this, and politicians, but I hate politics. 
I'm getting out of politics. I'm starting a shoe line. I'm moving to Silicon Valley where my parents are because I'm going to start my shoe line. Mm-hmm. So I was intrigued by that because anybody who quits something that is stable to bet on themselves is a fucking lunatic. Mm-hmm. That's what comedians are. Mm-hmm. We're fucking lunatics. You, I've walked away from a college degree to drive around the country telling jokes to strangers. It is the strangest thing, but it's the most relatable thing. And so the moment she said that, my ears went up. And I was like, oh, tell me about it. Wow, that's a big bet. I called this woman trying to see if she was right for me for PR, and we stayed on the phone for four hours. First time we talked, we talked for four fucking hours. And and so she was planning, like, in the next week to drive. to Like, I still want to call Craig and cuss him out because I'm like, why the fuck would you recommend a publicist who don't even work in my shit and getting ready to quit the shit that she do? <laughs> like, it's, it's such a, it's like when your grandma go, you should call so-and-so. He work in TV. Mm-hmm. He could get you, help you sell a show. Do you call him? And but he works at Comcast. Yeah. He just drives a cable truck. <laughs> No disrespect to our people. No, but you but get what I'm it's saying. It's different, yeah. You're not connected to how TV is made. You're mm-hmm. connected in a different way. So she, um, fuck, I, I haven't told this story many times. I'm trying to remember. So she's making the drive. And however it's working out for her drive, oh, this is how you can verify the year. Whatever the first year was of the Vince Vaughn Comedy Festival in Nashville, Tennessee. The Vince Vaughn Comedy Festival? It's now the Nashville Comedy Festival. It's rebranded a couple times. It's got different names and shit. But originally, it was the Vince Vaughn Comedy Festival. So whatever the first year was of that. So I look at a map. And I go, yo, which way are you going when you drive? to san francisco you go you taking you know you're gonna take you know i-80 all the way across through denver you going high side or you taking 40 through tornado alley she goes ah it's probably and decide i go well take i-40 and stop in nashville and i can get you a room and at least there's a room for you Mm -hmm. you know just However you break up your drive, break it up so Nashville is one of your rest stops. And if you want, if you're free, we can go to lunch. She goes, cool. So that's when we meet. She comes to Nashville. She's supposed to stay one day. She stays three. And so that was it, man. And so we were off to the races after that, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's pretty much been the last I don't fucking know how many years, man. All right. <laughs> we have a child. He's four. So like, so, you know, that's that. I know, I know marriage at this point is the inevitable truth. Um, oh, so you're not married right now. No, no, no. Oh, my bad. But, but it, it's, it's fine. It's not even something to correct on because, you know, where we are, you know, I feel like what we feel for one another, that's, that's that's probably next, but just in terms of just how we met and how we vibed, I think that was that's probably the most accurate account of you know one day we can do a couple's interview, and I'm sure she can fill in some of the details, but 
that was the basic gist of it was, hey, I have to meet this woman. And so then when she got to San Francisco, then came a year of up and downs to San Francisco and mm-hmm. taking the Pacific Coast train and Sellers and $40 United flights, <laughs> you know, like flying Southwest from Burbank to Oakland and rent a car mm-hmm. just to go to the movies, then get back to the airport in time to catch the 7 p.m. flight to land at nine to do a set out in Hermosa, like have a full solid mm-hmm. <laughs> fucking day. That's wild. <laughs> but that's love. When you love somebody, you do that kind of shit. Yeah. And then I get the daily show. And so here we are in New York, man. Life is fucking crazy, man. All this because my publicist got a better gig. (laughs) I mean, I'm a person who believes everything (laughs) happens for a reason. And that's why it happened for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. The irony is that my publicist went to work at my alma mater, Florida A&M. Oh, really? That's funny. Yeah. So I joke how Florida A&M is in a lot of ways responsible for my success, which is true, but they're also responsible for the birth of my child. (laughs) Wait, what kind of child do you have? Is it a boy or girl? Uh, Who's to say? It's a boy. Right now, if you ask him, he identifies as monster truck. Okay. So please address him as Red Thunder. (laughs) That is his monster truck name. Oh. That's so cute. That's so no, it's cute. not. It sounds like a stripper name. <laughs> Call me Red Thunder. <laughs> I'm Red Thunder, and I'm a monster truck. <laughs> and then he goes and does a donut in a circle. It's so silly. That's funny. I like kids sometimes, but most of the time, I don't. And I like Red Thunder. He sounds fun. Kids are fun, but stressful. I'll say this, though. Having a kid really rewired how I write, how I work, And I've gotten more done in five years in New York than I did the eight years in L.A. and whatever time I split in Birmingham. Mm -hmm. Having a child makes you focus. Having a family makes you focus if you care enough to provide and care enough about setting up a life for them, you know, after you're gone, which has been the weird shift mentally is that I'm kind of now more in a mindset of thinking about what his life will be after mine. Do you have a will? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got uh, finally got that done. That took a minute to do, but yeah, it's just about that's low key. That's part of why I do all these interviews and like I say yes to most podcasts. It's just leaving breadcrumbs for Aww. him to figure out who the fuck he is because I don't have that for my father. Mm-hmm. You know, my father died when I was sixteen, so I have like news commentary stuff. I have my dad interviewing everybody because he did he did radio and news commentary. He's a reporter. But I don't have much of him being interviewed. Ah. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's it's a it's a different energy. But you know, that's kind of it's it's a weird place to exist every day, but it keeps me motivated and driven. And mm-hmm. I think for as long as it's doing that, it can't be that bad of a of a way to live, you know? For the last couple of years, I was like, oh, I should interview my aunts about my mom and uh, my grandparents about my dad. And then I just never did it. And then COVID hit. And I was like, I guess I'll never do it. I don't know. One of these days I'll fucking do it. You should do it. I, I really I really am still trying to figure out ways to talk with people about my father. And a lot of those people are starting to die. And it's not that I necessarily care. But he might give a fuck. Mm-hmm. So let me go ahead and piece it together 
so it's there for him. Just on some black people, lost history. We don't mm-hmm. know our ancestors. Our history was stolen shit. Let it stop. So I got a closet full of cameras and microphones, and that'd be fucked up if, <laughs> if all he knew is that you had a daddy. His name was Roy Sr., that's it (laughs) like what else I don't know nigga they was in Atlanta for a little while then they got broke so they went to Chicago (sighs) well Roy we've come to the end do you have anything you want to promote I two things I'm going to promote the the air mask thing the homie Dulce texted me it's the B2 Air Pro B2 Air Pro Pro, and that's how you breathe air from around the corner and <laughs> <laughs> it attaches to a mask to your face also um, there's a dope Birmingham based charity I see me Inc I see me INC I see me incorporated I see me Inc.com I see me is a group there's uh, statistical proof of literacy as it relates to the school to prison pipeline mm-hmm. the quicker children can read the less likely they are to end up in a cycle of going to prison i see me gets books by black authors illustrated by black people showing black images in the hands of black children so that black children can see themselves doing something awesome so that they know that wherever they is that days could read more better <laughs> and be something in this world and what is that again what's the website it's I see me, INC. I see me, Inc. And we're going to put that link in the bio. Mars, yeah, can you do that? Yeah, fuck with them, man. Donate some money to them, man. They're doing good stuff. Thank you, Mars. Well, okay. I'm also going to promote the Okra Project. I just did a show with um, a bunch of friends where we donated money to the Okra Project. It helps uh, black trans people, and they're the most at risk of you know violence. So if you can help black trans people, do that. Um, but also mm-hmm. if you liked this episode of why won't you date me, you can like it, you can rate it, you can subscribe. If you give it five stars on, uh, Apple podcasts, that's a nice thing to do. Uh, also if you write me something nasty hitting on me, I will read it aloud. So this person mm. wrote to me, Nicole, if you were my woman, I would, w- I would, I would smear mashed potatoes on your thighs, put sour cream on your taint and smother simulated bacon bits on your pleasure folds and eat you like a baked potato. Also, I stocked up on cane stand because I like to keep my lady's pussy pH balance and the sour cream might cause a yeast infection. Well, considerate. that is very nice and considerate, but I just, I don't know what my uh, pleasure folds are. I'm eager to learn what those are. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Bye-bye. This has been a Team Coco production. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. 
Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. 